break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch-Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here on The Punch-Out, 30th of June, 2021. Very happy to be back with you here on the show and plenty for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be talking about the country of Swaziland, where there is a massive struggle against the absolute monarchy going on right now. We're going to talk about the state of Nevada that's trying to carry out some pretty brutal executions. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we turn to the climate apocalypse happening now. Been hot all over the U.S. this week, but the Pacific Northwest region of the United States and British Columbia and Canada have been experiencing a record heat wave. Portland, Oregon set all-time highs for the hottest day on record Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. 108 degrees, 112 degrees, and 115 degrees, respectively. Seattle hit 108 degrees yesterday evening breaking the previous all-time high of 104 degrees set on Sunday. The governor of Washington State, Jay Inslee, said last night that this was the beginning of a quote-unquote permanent emergency due to the severity of the changing climate. The heat wave is being caused by what is known as a heat dome, where high pressure can cause extreme temperatures. But experts note climate change has aggravated the situation quite a bit. Speaking to the Guardian newspaper, Zeke Hausfather, a scientist at the climate data nonprofit Berkeley Earth, noted that the Pacific Northwest had warmed by about three degrees Fahrenheit in the past half century and saying that, quote, this is worse than the same event would have been 50 years ago, end quote. And the impact of the crisis is extreme. In Portland, the light rail and streetcar were shut down on Monday because the power cables melted. As The Guardian further details, quote, heat-related expansion caused road pavement to buckle or pop loose in many areas, including on I-5 in Seattle. Workers in tanker trucks in Seattle were hosing down drawbridges with water at least twice a day to prevent the steel from expanding in the heat and interfering with their opening and closing mechanisms, end quote. Washington and Oregon had 30,000 power outages on Monday night. In British Columbia, there were 25 sudden deaths in 24 hours over a period stretching from Monday to Tuesday as a result of the heat wave. Across the western United States, 49.7% of the overall area is now being struck by, quote, extreme and exceptional, end quote, levels of drought, affecting 58.4 million people. Lake Oroville in Northern California hosts a hydropower facility that powers 800,000 homes. Well, the reservoir there is so low due to drought, the power plant is going to have to be turned off for the first time in history. Lake Mead, the largest reservoir in the country, which serves California, Nevada, and Arizona, is at its lowest levels ever. As Bloomberg reports, quote, the snowpack runoff from the Sierra Nevada mountains is 74% below normal. 
48 fires are burning across 12 western states over 661,400 acres. Arizona alone has 17 uncontained fires right now. Thousands of California residents are under an evacuation order related to the only 20% contained and aptly named Lava Fire. Wildfires in California are already outpacing last year, where the state set an all-time record for the number of acres burned. There's been a dramatic increase in hot nighttime temperatures in the U.S., reducing the number of critically important relief windows during heat waves. And on top of that, four out of every five record hot days globally are now amplified by global warming, meaning that what was once an extreme temperature is now becoming the new normal. It's also worth noting that heat waves are the number one weather-related cause of death in the United States. Melting power lines, buckling roads, out-of-control wildfires, historic droughts, summertime spikes and sudden deaths, more and more powerful hurricanes, unpredictable and devastating cold snaps in the South. We could go on. But the point is, everyone keeps talking about the coming climate catastrophe. But the reality is, it's here right now. Nevada is attempting to execute someone in July of this year with a never-before-tried method of lethal injection that has drawn the ire of pharmaceutical companies who do not want their drugs to be used in executions and is being examined by federal courts. The zeal to push forward with these executions, or execution, I should say, comes after a seemingly promising bill that passed the state assembly to end the death penalty was bottled up and shut down in the state Senate after the Senate Majority Leader and Judiciary Chair, who are prosecutors in the pro-death penalty Clark County, intervened to make sure it didn't even come to a vote there in the Nevada State Senate. As the Death Penalty Information Center details, quote, the 2021 execution protocol calls for either a three-drug protocol of an opioid, either fentanyl or alfentanil, depending on availability, the anesthetic ketamine, and a drug to stop the heart, either potassium chloride or potassium acetate, again, depending on availability. An alternative four-drug method adds the paralytic cisatrusicum as the third drug in the sequence, end quote. So basically what they're proposing here is execution by overdose. The execution has run into some legal roadblocks, however. A U.S. District Court judge has issued a stay because he said the proposed July date will not allow enough time to see if the execution passes constitutional muster. And Hikma Pharmaceuticals is threatening to sue the state for illegally obtaining the anesthetic ketamine that they produce. They noted that the state has proceeded with this illegal purchase over their express objections and that this was the second time, the first being in 2018, that the state had used quote unquote subterfuge to obtain execution drugs over the objections of the companies that make said pharmaceuticals. The stakes in this case here specifically are quite high for the death penalty. The death penalty is only considered constitutional when it does not constitute cruel and unusual punishment, which is banned by the Eighth Amendment. It has traditionally been thought that lethal injection meets that bar because people allegedly die painlessly. However, in the past decade or so, drug companies have increasingly objected to their products being involved, which means states have turned either to the black market or shady compounding pharmacies making homemade cocktails that have led to a range of botched executions, particularly ones using the drug midazolam, which has been described as the equivalent of a chemical burning at the stake. So every time states execute someone with these various methods or attempt to use the gas chamber again, they risk the barbaric results turning the courts against the death penalty writ large. 
There's also new evidence that has emerged in the past year that even previous executions that were thought of as good, I guess, I don't know what way to put that, that they were unproblematic. It's ridiculous. But anyway, that even those executions were not actually painless and that, in fact, almost all executions that take place via lethal injection cause a drowning sensation. So you feel like you're dying from drowning. Nevada, Arizona and Alabama are moving the most aggressively this year to use various methods of gas or injections to kill people. Whether they will succeed, we don't yet know. But without a doubt, if they do, it will be brutal. But it could also be the start of the end game for the death penalty in the U.S. Mass protests in Swaziland have reached such a pitch over the last few weeks that the absolute monarch King Maswati III may have fled the country to Mozambique, and authorities have brought forward a curfew to try to quell protest. As the news site People's Dispatch notes, quote, major cities in the country have come to a halt as many main roads and highways are blocked with burning tires. Businesses owned by the monarch and his associates were torched in at least two towns on the night of June 28th after peaceful protests seeking democratic reforms were banned and repressed with brute force by the police, end quote. People's Dispatch also notes that, quote, the army has been deployed across the country to help the police who are raiding the homes of the key organizers of the protests. The Internet has also been blocked, which has raised concerns among human rights organizations that the security forces may commit serious atrocities under the cover of an information blackout. End quote. The government of the country, which is officially known as Iswatini, is denying that the king has fled, but is clearly facing a crisis. The protesters are fighting for democracy in the African nation that is essentially totally controlled by the king. Swaziland has the most unequal wealth distribution of any country on earth. 70% of its people live in poverty. The king owns basically the entire economy through a corporation that he controls and said economy is intensely neo-colonial and is really controlled by big companies like Coca-Cola and a range of Taiwanese manufacturers. The king appoints the prime minister. The cabinet that the prime minister has, two-thirds of the upper house of parliament, 12% of the lower house, and the hereditary chiefs who vet the candidates for the other 88% of candidates for the lower house. Protests and strikes are often brutally repressed, as they are being now. However, the protests have not been quelled and seem to be taking place across the entire country as opposition parties continue to call on the masses to stay in the streets. The protests are of an unprecedented size for the country, and while the end result here and the direction is unclear. What we have seen regionally is that in South Africa, which essentially totally surrounds Swaziland, all of the most powerful unions and left parties are lending significant solidarity, which will undoubtedly lead to regional pressure on the king. Swaziland may be a very small country, one that often doesn't make headlines, but it's very much worth keeping your eye on it this week. That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York, East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles, Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 